So Miraculum Monstrum is a, it's a hybrid narrative and it is fragmentary and I'm going to read fragmentarily um, but just know that it's, it's, there's an order and it's a story. <clears throat> if you're confused you'll have to buy the book <laughs> or just ask me. <laughs> Miraculum. Noun, a wonderful thing, prodigy, miracle. Monstrum, noun, a significant supernatural event, a wonder, portent, alternately, a monster. One, exornatio. Words are artifacts, relics, symbols. In spring, a rabbit opened by a crow. Dark-edged fear writes the rabbit death. It happens in the spring. Lilac-scented air in the park turns pages of her book as she eats her lunch. Little wings in bright sun. An afternoon lies on the grass, not hearing the murder of crows' shrill gape. The leaves knife sharp against the sable trunks, high-pressure finite lines written across a landscape. She hears a bird serenade, tiny hammers on bells, airborne notes, punctuating vestiges of clouds now thin to gray scraps. Her back itches. Tristia, a woman with brown eyes, insatiate wells, mouth a red moon, mayonnaise more so. Small-breasted, muscular, yet bird-like in body. Slender, long-waisted, bird-like in nature, flitting, tremolo nerves, drinking the skim from the cup. Her mother, probing newborn eye flesh from her womb, sees exile, vacuse, wandering loss, fell-limbed empty, a black fissure in ice. From the dead tongue poem of sorrows, Ovid writes of the edge of the Rhine, the barbaric lip of the world, named her Tristia, a cold pool, distant cries. In her studio, she paints oval shapes, the nature of flight, representational arcs. Uh, There's a curator character in the book that sort of pulls this all together in a retrospective of her work. So the curator says, This all happened before I was born. I imagine her as she might have been before her transformation, before the annals of Miraculum Monstrum, the lost years when she was presumably living as any human woman would. There was breathable air then. This was before the atmospheric catastrophe, before the birds died, before the winds and earthquakes, when there was waste and leisure and whole days of temperate radiation. In retrospect, her mutation was prophesied, as many things are reckoned in hindsight, her temples hewn and texts produced. Contrary to natural law, she was born out of herself in the April month, already fused to a mythology that had yet to be created. Anomaly, the persistence of peripheral vision. I imagine her in time, in the weave of every moment, regardless of fact or record. On April 25th, she wakes up with a single hair, thick as a bristle, growing out of her left scapula. With a hand mirror, she examines over her shoulder the sinister, portentous vine. Looks like a wire. 
She can't pull it out. It seems to be fused to the bone under the skin it erupts from. Is a dream the real world? This hair, a blackened bone being born. Beneath her skin, she feels herself leaning towards flight patterns of bird cloud lifting off a tree to the east of where she sits. She isn't aware of the implications, this small irritation on the west side of her back, a black hair. Walking home from the park, her senses heighten. She feels like running, breathing hard though walking, walking at a tilt, vertiginous sidewalks in motion. The sensation on her back, several more wiry black hairs and bony protrusions on shoulder blade, makes an appointment to see her doctor. Sarcoma could be Ewing sarcoma, blood sample, white paper, pale cheek to vinyl stretcher, nude from waist up, on your stomach please. Abnormalities in chromosomes, Ewing is found notably in the bone shaft, though rare. Inside her chest, the ribs rest over peritoneal sac, housing heart, lungs. Once she saw a bird heart still beating in a ribbon carcass, the bird had been struck, turned in ragged cartwheels, glanced off a car. The body curled like a continuous apple peel. She walked from her porch, where she had been sitting, to look at the moist shards of gelatinous red, wanted to put her finger in the chest, to touch the velvety blood charged with ebbing life, thrashing pulse, flailing wing. She can't be dying. On your stomach, please. Is there pain? Yes. Is it a sharp pain or a dull ache? It is pulsing, throbbing, sometimes like a knife. There's a growth. We'll order a biopsy. Is it cancer? It's too early to say, but possible. We'll order tests, lots of treatments. You're young at 34, healthy. Is there a history of cancer in your family? No. X-ray shows there is a consistency with perhaps fibrous dysplasia. Origins are mysterious. Monostatic in one bone, left scapula. Spinal bone cysts seem unrelated. Inconsistent with fibrous dysplasia. The X-ray shows pitting in the bone. Tumor-like growths consistent with dysplasia. Medullary bone becomes fibrous tissue. There are growths. Non-consistent. Benign, let's hope. The X-ray... The beating heart, caged. This part looks like a feather shaft. We're not sure what this means. On this night, she dreams of a dead pond. Frogs belly up, but the storks aren't feeding. It rains an oily spatter. Starling wings speckled. The black runs down her glass porch door. She looks closer, bird after bird, pounding soft bodies into the glass. Stunned, they recover vertical poise and launch into the door again, again. A pile grows. She thinks she will vomit. Her mouth opens here. She almost breaks from the dream. Feels, sees a bird beak writhing in her throat, rising from her throat hole, pushing along the esophageal passage, trying to be born, trying to escape, trying to herald. It is shrieking, then begins to wail, an infant. In the dream, her bile rises, propels the bird out, leaving her flaccid, the bones of her crushed, liquefied, or molten. 
She wakes, vomiting, shoulder throbbing, sarcoma. The moonlight's translucent snakes in her vomit, like tapeworms, maybe string or hair. She takes the bus to the emergency room. It is 2 a.m. Medical form. I can't read this. Control number. District. Am I dying? Worker. Phone. You were upset. Please calm. Number. Date. Client ID. The information provided. Temperature dropping. On this form may be used to determine eligibility. Pressure on chest. For federal. And we want you to speak to state programs using dead birds, social security, disability, criteria. One. Patient information. How long have you been? I am not. Address. Phone. Date of birth. Physicians. There is a research lab. Name. Address. Phone. Specialty dates of exam, first visit, last, will not live in a cage, visit, presenting symptoms, height, weight, blood pressure, muscle strength, 1-5 to 5-5, 2, diagnosis, you must attach, HIV infection, diagnostic, mate comfortable, test perform, attach, they look like feathers, can you explain, results, psychiatric evaluation, psychological evaluations, treatment and response, tests, inconclusive, include past treatment, we need more tests and response, be advised, this is blurry, please sign here. We want to help. Horrenda rustica. Swallow, swallow, bloody bird. Turns milk to blood flying under the herd. Flying over your house, his death, your death he pretends. If he lands on your shoulder, your life will end. is from part two. The scripture that uh, was written by the cult that co-ops her is, is placed throughout the text. Um, maybe some of you will find some of it a little familiar. And it is from the cult's Codex Miraculum Monstrum. As Tristia and the broken women walked to the path to the walled city, the Christians followed, and one of them shouted behind, These women are the slaves of contrivances. See the monster they follow. Tristia told her apostate Tara this annoying harassment should stop, so they turned to the faithful and spat oil onto their skin. They ran away in fear, but continued to throw rocks from a distance. When they reached the city, Tristia spoke through Tara. The wall they've constructed won't keep the water out, so find higher ground. The water will wash the cities away. In the caves, we will breed new life. This is the word. Letter from Terra from Miraculum Monstrum, chapter 8, verse 22. This is a quote from Ann Waldman from Manatee Humanity. That's what they'll say about us generations hence. How living then hence without so many animals then? They fucked the world over in their sweet, avaricious time frame. That's what they'll say about us, those stupid fuckers. They let the animals die. They let the plants die. They killed the air. They killed the water. They killed each other. They killed language.
They superimposed the stature of a god over her. Morphine drip, gurney, the beige walls streaked with death stench. Bony eruptions metastasized, shifting tectonic plates, margins, testing, brushstrokes, line, tone, linseed, testing her blood, plastic, planet, her saliva, marrow, feathers, secretions, probing her body, lungs, vines, liver, pancreas, with instruments, dermis, marrow, plasma, vial, basin, cramps, vomiting, fever, biopsy, shoulder, strata, ultrasound, x-ray, magnetic resonance imagery, dissecting, specialists, surgeons, photographs, documents, burning, leaking, discharge, sedation. But the miraculous feathers leak out, people come to see. Disruptive, they move her to a locked room with one small window, make her comfortable. Her intolerable bird, she was stainless in herself, wished everything away like space. She could grow afar of purity, fly out again young and included to somewhere. Cage. She opens her eyes in the dark, feels in paracula vectus. She will fly. Leather straps against her arms, uncoiled feathers sprung from the bone meat. This feather of undaunted blood water arches. She sees in the dark the morphine drip. The songbirds whose songs are stolen for research, migratory birds who are funneled and disoriented. Disoriented, where is their gyroscope? Up on the hospital roof, shaking the morphine off, Tristia's arms are lead sticks covered with bone spurs. Dying, she thinks. Last she knew, there was one arm mostly gone. Weight loss. She feels fine. Hungry. My body in revolt, she thinks. These look like wings, not tumors. Bone disease. She runs to the roof like an infant tied to a kite, hands intact. Wearing a ragged snap gown, she rears her wings and dives. Like painting the next stroke, there like a net, a brace. Every feather moves. She is tired, lands too quick. Bloody knees, laughs. Where do I go now? She knows where it lies by air. Thank you. And next we have Gabriel Jezlowski. Hey. How's everyone doing? Thanks for being here. Um, I wanted to thank um, Kathleen for inviting me to read with her, um, as well as Skylight Books for hosting us in their space in this tree. Like, that's pretty good. Um, Let's see. I plan to read tonight from As Burning Leaves, um, a book that came out this past spring from Red Hen Press. Um, D.A. Powell described the book as a healing atlas, and I'm interested in that reading as I return to these poems at different moments, including tonight. Um, 
what I can tell you about making them is that the landscape often becomes a character, both in terms of what it holds, how it bends, what it remembers, and what it dispels, but also in the effect of guiding the lineation, the breath, and the riptides of this book. I'll then read to you from Entry for Exits, which um, is a collection of prose poems that I'm currently working on that also includes a floating essay um, somewhere in in the middle. Uh, These poems deal with trauma and reintegration. They study place, memory, and queer failure. I won't say too much about them individually as I go along, um, just pausing. While they have separate titles, I think that um, they like to be read as a family of thoughts. So um, thanks for being here. I'll read to you. This poem references um, an installation that I made when I was living in Ithaca, New York, called Dilutions X. Visible world. We row out to the center of the lake to be among the fur spires. Blue, the loon's voice. Wind moves the leaves across the water. They do not gather, do not cling. The solitude surrounds us long and deft. Years later, I exhale into a tree what lore is left of you. Dissolve 34 of your letters in transparent bags filled with creek water. The words that used to seduce me, that now wound me, lift in ribbons of ink, serene adrift. Was there a line, black bark, blossoms in the mild rain smelling like piss? I ease up on your press collar as I no longer straighten it to offer you to the visible world. Temporary Landmark Do not look at the mud-hard scarves around my shoulders or the outcast sky that follows. You should lose your bearings altogether. Your broken touch, a temporary landmark. My body weary of all the thunder rumbling through the chest, the way her wine glass is weary of holding wine. What is the difference between a calendar and our breathing? Continues to scar this white wing in the center of my eyes. Words, they wing span between us, smoke, between us, high water, between us, you would say, come hell or high water, I wait like a child in this town. This is a pretty definitive Brooklyn poem. I think I lasted nine months. Um, and, uh, yeah. I feel like this is also a poem for my friend Dario, who's kind of a scattered and lovely architect. Frenetic spine. Pages with teeth marks, cocaine, blue-gray pills, idling smoke, around a tin can, punctured in the shape of a bowhead whale. How in momentary disbelief I have taken up with someone else. We don't bathe, we don't care what's broken. 
I still call out to you from the scarred rocks of the East River. Send you sandalwood soap ink drawings on pillowcases. The frenetic spine of a fish. Below my window, when I wake, the moonlit streets are covered in clothing, and I wonder, what if there is no ghost realm? What if the wind has always been alone with the wind? This is a traveling poem, um, and it was an alternate title for the book um, called Instructions on How to Leave a Town. There was one more, too. I think it was um, Somewhere Someone Forgets There Are Highways. And I remember, like, kind of running that by um, my friend Lynn Emanuel, and she's like, that sounds terrible. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And Instructions on How to Leave a Town felt just, like, a little too easy. I don't know. Um, But this is that poem. Now you have to go back through Ohio just to manage a few sweaters because it's getting cold out there. Pack two gray-green duffels. Most of your clothes are torn. What else do you have to show for yourself? Stay in motels. Drink bourbon and cut your fingertips on the zippers of your jeans. Throw the oranges at the ships on the wall. Forget her. Her touch, nearly 700 days away. The desk littered with candles and letters. Last night folk music in a light bulb, swinging, humming. Sink backed up and the water flooded the dirty blue tiles. You just ducked out. In another town you can imagine fresh basil in the window, orange peels, ground down to dust, bicycles, farmland. The peripheral at peace with the eventual. You could just show up at someone's door, unannounced by the wind. Collect weeds as though they are scarce. Sleep next to the man who takes care of the trees. The edge is close between two bodies. Smokestacks line the sky. Troubled by your body, you're trembling at the gas station. Stay in a poorly insulated farmhouse north of the city. Wake to a lack of rain. An unbroken sky. Do you remember the moon from last night that seemed to drift? If God were uneasy, you would not know. This is um, for my grandmother, whose name was Lisa Latte Kanaganda Youngmeyer, Earth at Unrest. You have given me the pale slice of ginger for the comparison of tongue. My mother who uses clay to make a sturdy wall. Mostly, though, the body rounding along the bend of the landscape, the earth at unrest, stones with moss, taste of a bleeding lip, the land with songs underneath, the land with azalea, ache of azalea, That's from that's from this, and then I'm gonna switch it up. These are the these are the entry poems. Entry for red graffiti. We trace the train tracks until they break open into forests. 
steals cigarettes when the gas station clerk takes a piss break. Kissing her, I learn the way that sorrow pulls at the root of things, a slow absorption. I move the ridge of my pelvis into her, my forehead damp with sweat from her eyes. Our shirts are both torn around the collar and cut off at the sleeves. We write on most things. And up until now, we have been untouched by each other's loneliness. We only know that the snow falls blank over Akron. Bitter casings of seeds litter the ground. By spring, when she is gone, plants clog the river, so I send her letters asking about the taste in her mouth right now or the sounds of the birds in Venezuela. She sends me back four self-portraits. In the cheap printed photographs, her hair is dripping wet and parted in many directions. She's leaning against a wall with red graffiti. She looks like a stubborn boy, but in the last photograph, her large breasts glide up into the frame and she tugs distractedly at her nipple. If you take photographs, she writes, you won't be alone anymore. Entry for some portal, some lake. Sometimes the well is drained. You saunter out of another life and you send a message. We glide through sullen, uncomplicated fields where cows, they move their jaws evenly. I drive barefoot, feel the rubber tongue of the pedal. My hand lifts your hair at the nape of your neck where the dark hairs grow obstinate beneath. Some time later, we lie on top of the kitchen table and for the first time, your weight over to me until the heat between us becomes the unknowing. Which is all we've come for? To lose the point at what we've been trying to say. To be rendered unstable in the presence of a kind of beauty that comes from nowhere. Some portal, some lake. Those clear eyes of yours. The marbling of blood in your inner ear. The kitchen floor flecked with the tips of strawberries. Your babble, your moan. a couple more Um, entry for even the heavy air here and somewhat intact though not in love and without work the sun drapes across my left shoulder as I watch the pelicans move in a starched formation I shower outside love the grit of sand on my thighs lips bottoms of my feet even the heavy air I love At 22, I was kicking the fake wood-paneled walls, taking most of her in, bearing what I might to get free from a tense mind. At seven, I looked down at the dunes, humming with horseflies, and wondered, do they sting or bite? Because I hadn't noticed. I believed that the yellowing bruises around my wrists meant that my body was alive, tied to the basement wall, made to drink urine from a pint glass. So being here, it's a time-based performance. We learn the names of herbs that grow for protection. We watch train cars swallowed into the cut-out mountain. Keep the pain alive in order to numb the source. Catch the orange wax on our tongues. Two more. Entry for a slow fade. Tonight we meet again. 
A season of snow and rain. Four bottles of witch hazel and a burst of wildflowers on the hillside between the last time we touched. You show up in tight black jeans, your shirt frayed around the collarbones and belly, your haircut bad and excellent. Before long, we are laughing on the deck. Our tangled legs, your knee on my thigh. We look out at the filaments of clouds, the light, delicate ice crystals hanging. We are both poor. You drive a city bus. I write things down. The gentle dog is dying. Days are losing their length at the speed with which they pass. But we can't slow the fade or stop the cells from mutating. Tonight, the press of your hip bones, the uneven length of your hair. I inhale the moonlight that skims your chest. And the last poem is Entry for the Flowers in Your Mouth. If I live again, I'll call your pubic bone a crown. Rock back and forth without thinking of you. Leave go of my crossness. Even go untouched. There is something so local inside of the infinite. You stand up from lying shirtless in the field. Your back etched with the narrow grooves from blades of grass. This is better than anything I've downloaded in the last year. Sometimes I flick open the cheap pocket knife and I hold it at the star spot below my trachea. I'm not saying, please let me in, but rather, I was already inside, so I'm still inside. Entry for exoskeleton. Entry for the flowers in your mouth. Entry for the car frame floating in the ocean. Entry for your eyeliner, thick and sooty. Entry for a hex of queerness. If I live again, we would stop to take in the sunlight. We would quiver out the quiver. Thank you all so much. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.